You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hi, and welcome to SHL Smart Teams Podcast. This is part one of the two-part series exploring how organizations can equip Gen Z to lead in an unpredictable future. I'm Estelle Kessie, Senior Consultant and Business Psychologist at SHL. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Dan Crerand, Operations Director of Early Careers at the ADECO Group. Thank you very much, Estelle. Uh, great to be here. Um, yeah, I guess, as you say, Head of Early Careers, Operations Director here at uh, DECO UK and Ireland. Uh, I suppose in the last couple of weeks, slight change, and I'm going to be moving into your role over the next couple of weeks of Global Programme Head for CEO for a Month Programme. Um, I guess just for a little intro into the programme itself, for anyone's unaware, it's uh, a deck of groups. Um, it's a bit of a unique opportunity, really, for um, somebody to shadow our CEO, Alain Dehaz, uh, direct supervision day to day, a real shadow and opportunity um, to go and actually see what it's like to be a CEO for a month. Um, we have a countrywide uh, winner each time who go forward into a bit of a global bootcamp. And uh, post that, we have a CEO for a month that actually gets to shadow Alain De Hayes for a month period and get an opportunity to really kickstart their career, um, especially as we look back on our alumni in terms of uh, how they've got on in, in years gone by as well. Absolutely. And it's such a great initiative. And it's been a pleasure to work and partner with the ADECO Group on the CEO for One Month project over the past few years and seeing who have been nominated and the awards as well. So um, it's something that I think will, is really topical for us to be talking about. And I'm also bearing in mind that I know that we've all felt the impact of the pandemic and the effects that it's had on our lives. But, you know, both of us being able to work in the early career space, it, it's really provided us with the opportunity to consider and also reflect on the impact that the pandemic has had on our future talent. And also I was thinking about what changes have happened in the early careers market just recently. And so I think it's a great opportunity for us um, and to have you really share your insights mm -hmm. onto the changes that you've noticed in the early careers market and what you think is driving this. Yeah, of course, it's 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 been a really strange period. I think obviously there was, um, I think there initially there was a lot of comparisons to the 2008 kind of recessional recruitment, a really sort of bad time in terms of the early careers. But I'd like to think 2020, 21, 22 um, is much better than we probably envisaged about maybe 12 months ago. And uh, the numbers have gone up by 9% in terms of uh, graduate vacancy. So we're not yet at pre-pandemic figures, but in gen in general, to see that figure, if you'd offered me that 12 months ago, I would have taken it. Um, but as you say, it's, I love working in early careers. I genuinely have a passion for it. Um, I, I love the fact that our clients persevered. They adapted. They recognized the importance of an early careers kind of annual injection into their business. And in some respects, the energy, the flexibility that comes with it, I guess. Um, I think from, from my perspective, I suppose uh, the reduction or removal of an early careers program is something I actually thought could be pivotal in the longer term. I'm probably the only person sitting here thinking that COVID actually could turn out to be a great thing for early careers. But I genuinely think it gave businesses a chance to see the input that these recruits have because it's been removed. So it's clearly obvious how their business is operating in terms of new ideas, this energy, the fact that kind of a young person thrives on change rather than fighting it. 
Um, they love a goalpost being moved. So it's it's kind of in that position of stripping it out for a year. The business will actually take a step back and go, actually, now we can see what it meant to have some of the early career's perspective. So I think the fact that they they grew up and they they have and they are growing up in a kind of generation that was virtual, um, that meant that the ones who did secure roles actually did impress. Yes. And I, I'm just thinking about some of those changes that I guess our graduates have experienced such as not being able to go into university as frequently as possible and when it comes to networking even having internships and placements as part of their degree courses and um, it's been a struggle for them and so I think it would be really great for you to elaborate a bit on how initiatives such as the CEO for one month program can mm -hmm. really help organizations and also our graduates gain experience that will be valuable to them and can equip them for the future world of work. Oh, absolutely that's 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 probably the nail on the head Estelle I would say that um, I think it, the biggest thing for me was probably suggesting and when I do get an opportunity to kind of interface with an early careers population I will say the same thing it's explore new ways new ideas I think you've got your traditional internships and graduate programs but we've seen a lot of people maybe exploring new routes such as CEO for a month um, an opportunity to even get in and have the experience it's crucial, as you said, they, they essentially lost that in university. They lost almost the networking ability in university and then took that forward, especially the fresh graduates of the last two years, took that forward to their working career and have been kind of limited in terms of their networking ability as well. And that's why I think for us, it's it genuinely is taking the market in a different direction. It's not just, it doesn't need to be a structured two-year program. It's about what can we what can that young person get out of one month work experience, for example? Is it enough to really take their career in the right direction, open their eyes to the world of work, help them to understand? I think it's you're a lot of pressure when you educate yourself out of school and into university. You need to make a big decision. Um, and it doesn't always need to be the right decision first time around. And I think the more initiatives we can have like this at ADECO, uh, the better it is for, for our position in the market and, and really support the young persons. And that's what that's what my target is moving forward. And in terms of providing a chance for graduation, uh, graduates or Generation Z to actually experience demonstrating their leadership skills and to have exposure to leaders, it's, it's really a great opportunity. But I know that part of the programme you have had to roll out virtually, and I know mm -hmm. that within the early careers sector, there's been a great shift to doing a lot of even recruitment virtually as well and yeah. really relying on technology and digitalization some will say that it's made us accelerate towards yeah. technology solutions but yeah. what are some of the lessons learned in your perspective look i think i think the technology kind of blew me away if i'm honest i was very surprised by i, I wouldn't say i'm the, the best in terms of my technical understanding um but when i i've actually seen the market the, the companies we work with the suppliers the, the difference between 2020 march through to where we are now in terms of what we have access to is is, is crazy i almost look back in march 2020 and think how do we how do we live so freely without the likes of teams i've been on um university events where they have an opportunity to break out into little networking sessions you've got client branded tables you can speak to the audience and you can see them watching you whilst they watch you so it's it's it, i was quite blown away by that for me um the, the lessons learned is is one of the big things i've spoken to my clients about i i personally and through the deco kind of 
through the through the deco viewpoint um i've seen a really strong push in terms of inclusivity and diversity and inclusion um it, the, a bit of a barrier removal as such so whether that's candidates perhaps maybe thinking this is a virtual assessment so we we see a lot of self-selection where candidates maybe feel that they're they're not they're not ready for this role they're not gonna this, this brand's not gonna employ them or even do you know what where they're coming from potentially low socioeconomic areas they might think actually i can't really afford the travel or accommodation to go to multiple different assessment centers um and turning that virtual and giving them an opportunity to both do the, do the assessment center and then the role virtual it really did improve and what i've seen in terms of inclusivity numbers i've seen a lot of barriers being broken down which was really fantastic and something i want the clients to remember going into the new year where we do return potentially to face-to-face um, -face events but for me switching on its head again the clients themselves they I, I cannot fault them in one bit they they love early careers they know how critical it is to their future proofing of their business diversification but with senior leaders as you said earlier they can often be kind of hard to Hard to pull all together at the same time. Getting schedules to match is very difficult. But last year, we saw such a fantastic range of stakeholders, some company or country leads that perhaps wouldn't have been able to come together if it had been face-to-face. -face. And because we made it virtual, it made it accessible both for the, for the graduates, but also the, the assessors, which meant that when it came to an overall inclusive experience, I think it gave a best and most transparent view of the, uh, of the clients we were represented in, in the virtual assessment centers. Absolutely. And I agree to a certain extent, being able to run some of these aspects virtually, it really has helped in terms of accessibility by providing opportunities for, um, I guess, in terms of applications to be able to do that process just mm -hmm. through using technology and for organisations in terms of identifying talent. Yeah moving virtually hasn't necessarily prevented that. And we've seen actually a rise in applications, even for mm -hmm. graduate programs recently, um, partly because of the ease of being able to apply and also going through selection processes as well. It hasn't taken as much time in comparison to when perhaps you did have to travel to assessment centers and you had to have, for instance, your face-to-face -face interviews as part of the stages. And so, I was just thinking about how can we though, if we are moving to more of a virtual or a hybrid way of working, how can organizations really truly support our graduates gain exposure and have the experiences related to networking and being able to still feel that they've even got those support networks as well, because they really have at certain points just over the past few years had a large amount of isolation where they haven't been able to rely on all of those social and support systems out there. So is there anything you've learned in terms of how to ensure that they still have the chance to collaborate and to form those networks with colleagues and people within your organisation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've probably never been reached out to as much as, as I was on LinkedIn over the last couple of years, and, and that just shows the hunger that is in that in that audience. But as you say, I think when when we when we see some of the numbers running around last year in terms of how many of them really wanted to work from home full time, it was five six percent. The rest of them, ninety four percent, ninety five percent, wanted to work from that office. And I think it's, I think bringing a new hire into any business in a virtual remit isn't easy and probably desired. But we have gained experience in it, and we're probably trying in a lot of innovative ways, especially here at Deco. Um, 
as you said, graduates, of course, want to network. They want to be mentored. They want to speak to their managers, lean across the desk with their managers, sit in a board meeting with a, and chance to actually exert their presence, especially people maybe who feel as if the confidence and leadership skills are, are kind of critical to be demonstrated and they feel like is that hampered virtually. But fundamentally, they want a sense of belonging. So I think we think that's what they want from their managers. I mean, well, we know that's what we want from the managers, but also I think they forget about the fact that they like the camaraderie they, they get with their fellow graduates, the relationships they build. They learn from each other, the journey they all go on together. They track each other's careers and they often work together. So I think what I've tried to do is try and build that community with, with, the, with the graduates. I've tried to run networking events, um, bringing in a partner employers, try to do a lot of reward recognition, try to bring a bit of fun to it. Um, as I said before, it's touch points. It's looking at the alumni and introducing our alumni to our current graduates and seeing if they can actually help them to talk past um, just the need for being in an office. We, we've tried to think about the well-being aspect as well. This could be someone working from a shared house. This could be someone who's been in, locked up in university for the last couple of years and then is going into a job where they're working on their own. And I think what we added in was sort of morning mindfulness sessions, lunchtime yogas or coffee morning networking sessions where we've taken some of the senior stakeholders of a deco and brought them in for a bit of a Q&A. It doesn't always need to be three, four hours. It doesn't need to be an event at a hotel. You can get a lot out of a 30 or a 60 minute session. It's about the regularity of it and giving them accessibility again to these different avenues to actually reach out. But again, I'll turn on his head just to conclude that bit, I suppose. I said earlier on around the graduates and employers, We've got to forget that the managers and their long-standing team members, the business leads, they love the different mindset that comes with bringing in an early careers hire, a graduate, the innovation, the kind of the, the, the new ways of working. They want to learn and adapt. I think everyone thinks that graduates must be mentored and learned, but actually it's probably 50-50. The, the, the graduates come in and actually increase productivity and get the people around them thinking and working differently. So yeah, for me, it's it's um it's about just increasing the touch points and being and just taking advantage of the tech we have available to us. It doesn't always need to be extremely fancy or, or incredibly expensive. And that's a good point that you've made related to how we all have to proactively support creating those networks and actively creating initiatives and putting things in place so that graduates who are entering the workplace, they're able to feel that sense of belonging and really thinking about their experience that they're having. And I think the wellbeing piece is something that based on our research and having partnered with you and looked at different behaviours and how they may have changed over the course of the pandemic in the past few years, what we have seen is that one of those behaviours which always seems to be slightly slightly low for our graduates is that ability or that preference to cope with setbacks and to cope with pressure and that that's something that they still need to build through experience but also through the support of organizations and so it's really great that you are taking that into account and thinking about the culture as part of their learning experience and how that can also help them develop in terms of their capabilities and all of their aspirations that they might have in terms of their career. And then lastly, yeah. I think the, the point that really stood out to me is the value that they can bring. And I think it's great that the ADECO group recognize that and they, they see the opportunity and all of the reasons why it's important to invest in Generation Z. And we know mm -hmm. that 
I think it's by 2030 that they'll make up a third of our workplace population and that it's likely that by 2040 that many of them will be entering those leadership positions. And so if we are thinking about the future and how we can equip them right now, I think you really have created some key learnings. And so, Dan, is there one thing that you would want our readers to get out of this session that we've had, some takeaway points? Yeah, I think anyone who knows me knows I like to talk, so I'm going to push Estelle and, and try and get two points here, I guess. And it's uh, it's probably the first one is it's just the humane element of what we're talking about. I think SHL will be a really great partner of ours. I think we one thing for me was we really did do a lot of self-analysis during, um, during lockdown, during the process where we maybe had some pauses or some reduction in campaigns. And I think we looked at where we could bring touch points into the process, whether it's feedback, whether it's just improving the engagement in terms of our comms, the key forms for our graduates during the processes, because they've taken the time and effort to go into this. I think what we've came together and collaborated really well with yourselves on is, is, is the kind of psychometric testing. For me, that was always a bit of a bugbear because every time I went to a university or a, a careers fair, the question would be, how can I get through this step? And we used to always not be able to give them feedback. Now, working with yourselves, that's something we've managed to do in the last kind of six to 12 months. We've now got everyone who goes through and completes their online test they get a feedback report. It's not, it's something to go away, something to go away and analyze, to look at, and actually help them to improve on, um, which I think is crucial. It's a really enhanced um, report, which means that not only, yes, okay, they've, 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 they've maybe been rejected from this part of the process, but they're taking away something into their next application, and that's crucial. And then a quick final summary, I suppose, would be, personally for me, it's just about it's all about retaining that great talent. We're all working so hard. We see how many jobs are in the market right now. So it's about holding on to these people. Graduates are much more driven in 2022. They Organizations do everything they can to work out whether the graduate's right for them. But I would encourage you to make sure the graduate knows if you are right for them as well. So make it transparent, a realistic job preview, a day in the life, anything you feel that can really demonstrate who you are and what sort of company they'll be joining. They, they want meaningful development. They want to kind of upskill and grow. They're very culturally aware. They want to work for sustainability company, uh, companies of a good sustainability awareness um, and, and probably good social commitment as well. So I think I would just think about that. They also want to join and they want to contribute to that. So I guess just paint your best picture is my, is, is my final comment. Make it realistic, but the retention should manage yourself if you do that. Some great final points there. And I know that in part two of the podcast, we'll be delving in a bit deeper into psychometrics and some of the insights that we've been able to gather over the past few years related to um, identifying talent and those behaviours that we know are so important for, I guess, everyone to have. So make sure to listen to that when it comes out and also make sure to check out all of the resources at SHL by um, just typing in shl.com. I hope you enjoyed today's session and take care. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.